This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent his own son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown? and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So, take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. What's the most lavish gift that you have ever received? Maybe someone invited you to join them on a luxurious vacation and told you right from the start, all expenses are going to be paid by me. Or maybe even better, they didn't take along, just sent you. Here's the airline ticket, here's the hotel reservations, go and have fun. Maybe the most lavish gift you've ever received is a ring on your finger reminding you of the love of another. Maybe 
You've received one of those gifts too big to fit under the Christmas tree, but you go out into the driveway and see the shiny new car with the big bow on the top. Maybe someone has served as a benefactor in your life, giving you money so that you can make a down payment on a home, or maybe they've invested in you and paid for your college tuition. In today's gospel, Jesus tells the story of a master who gives lavish gifts, and we'll see the way that his three servants respond to the gifts that are given them. Jesus gives these encouragements. He teaches this lesson and tells this story to his disciples and to us in hopes that we might recognize the kind of servant that God desires. The words of today's gospel, they come right on the heels of the gospel from last Sunday. Dr. Hebner encouraged us to wake up by sharing Jesus' words, another parable, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. As back-to-back lessons from the Lord, these two stories share the same context. Jesus was leaving the city of Jerusalem on Tuesday evening of Holy Week leaving Jerusalem out to the east, going down the mountain and across the valley and then up the ridge on the other side called the Mount of Olives. They paused at the top of the ridge, turned around and looked back on the city, the holy city of Jerusalem. And Jesus took the opportunity one last time to be the teacher. He sat his 12 pupils down and appropriately for this last lesson from the Lord he taught a lesson about last things about life in the last days about the coming of judgment day and in order to teach that lesson Jesus told this story again it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. While the exact amount of money that was given to each servant is hardly the point of the parable, it is important to recognize these are large sums of money. Maybe you remember an older Bible translation that calls this the parable of the talent. Talent was a coin that was worth the same amount, the equivalent of a year's worth of wages for a day laborer. So I'll let you decide from your own 1040 which number relates the the most accurately, but this is a large sum of money to have one of those or two of those or five talents. You can understand why the NME translators translate it for us bags of gold because we want to get... They want to get the point across, and I think they accomplished the goal. This is a pretty big sum of money. I don't know about you. I've never actually held in my hand a bag of gold. I've never even had a rich friend that let me hold their bag of gold. This is just kind of out of my realm of experience. I remember... One time, the first time that I had a $100 bill in my wallet, it made me as nervous 
as can be. I checked it every 15 minutes to make sure it was still there. It was a huge sum of money to me at the time. I don't know that I've ever even held something that was financially as valuable as what one of these bags of gold would have been. But this is the gift that the master chose to give. Five bags, two bags, one bag, respectively. And he tells us why. He tells us what the strategy was with the disbursement of his bags of gold. We're told that each one was given according to his, according to the servant's ability. The master knew his servants and he knew what they could manage. And he was only going to gift them with that which they could succeed. That's the way it is with our master, too. He gives us the gifts that he knows are best for us. He gives us unique gifts that he hasn't given to others for his purpose and for his reasons. Imagine the phone rings. It's the president of a Fortune 500 company. They have an opening in the position of chief financial officer. They're looking for someone who can manage their investment portfolio, who can keep the stockholders happy, who can make the right investments at the right time, who can manage the financial affairs for their multi-billion dollar enterprise. And they're wondering if you might be willing to give it a whirl. Now, there might be one or two financial gurus here in our Grace family, but my guess is that the vast majority of, of us would be drowning in responsibility like that. If you're like me, this would be a paralyzing request. It would take maybe one day to screw it up royally, probably one week to cause the company to go bankrupt, and I bet I'd end up in prison somewhere along the way. That kind of responsibility, those kind of expectations, they're just far more than what I personally have been gifted to be able to handle. But that's not what the master does. The master hands out gifts that he knows his servants can handle. Our master hands out gifts that he knows we can handle. He gives us gifts that he knows that we can succeed with. He hasn't asked of us anything beyond what he has given. He doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't gifted us already to do. He doles out his gifts for his purposes and in his way, making only one request. It's the same request as the master in the story. Be faithful. Servant number one went at once and put his money to work, and his five bags of gold became ten. We're given two words to describe the actions of the second servant. So also, the second servant also went to work at once, and his two bags of gold turned into four. But the third servant took a different approach and had a different attitude. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. 
What did servant number one and servant two know about the master that servant number three did not know? Or maybe a better way to ask that question, what did servant number three fail to recognize and put into practice about the master? All three of them understood where the money came from. None of them were surprised or perplexed by that. They all understood that it wasn't theirs. They knew that it was the master's. But listen to the way that they talk about the tasks that they were given. Listen to the way that they describe this arrangement. Servant 1 and 2 both said to the master, You entrusted me with five bags or with two bags of gold. The third servant says something a little different. The third servant says, Here is what belongs to you. Servants 1 and 2 understood that they were entrusted with those gifts, that the master had an expectation that those gifts be put to use. Servant number three didn't understand that, or at least he didn't care that that's what the master had asked. He had his excuses and cited his fears, but it really boiled down to selfishness and laziness. It really boils down to the fact that he didn't see the master for who he really was. Had the master not proven himself? Had he not proven himself to be a good man? He was totally undeserving of the accusations that the third servant hoisted upon him. You heard it. Do you agree? Does this master sound like a hard man? Does he sound like one who harvests where he doesn't sow and gathers where he has not scattered seed? He handed out eight bags of gold. Eight bags of gold to servants. Not even blood relatives, just servants, just people who worked for him. Eight bags of gold. A man who harvests where he hasn't sown? That's hardly this master. When the master returned and the transactions were being settled, did you notice? The master let... The men keep the bags. The faithful servants keep the bags of gold that they had earned. They got to keep the initial investment and the return. The principal and the interest. Who does that? Harvesting where he hasn't sown. This man, this servant, this master, excuse me, wasn't harvesting at all. This was no pyramid scheme, making other people do the work so that you can sit back and then just rake in the profits. No, this master was giving generously just to those he trusted and loved. And so it is with our master. He is so gracious, kind and loving, so over-the-top generous. Yet we find ways to squander the wealth that he has given us. We make our excuses and cite our fears, but it really boils down to selfishness. 
laziness. It really boils down to the fact that at times we don't truly live our lives like we know who the master really is. He never asks us for more than we can give. He never asks us to do more than he's already gifted us to be able to accomplish. He just gives us gifts and then asks us to put those gifts to use. Yet we fail. We fail to use the gifts that God has given us to worship him and to serve others. We fail to be the servants that God wants us to be. We end up being more interested in ourselves. And too often we bury what God gives us in the sand. For our arrogance and self-interest, we deserve to have the adjectives that were spoken about that third servant spoken to us. Wicked, lazy, worthless. And worse than those descriptions, we deserve to have the words of condemnation that were spoken to him, spoken to us. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But it's right here where we learn of the master's generosity and the extent of his love. Though we had no blood relation to God and could never do anything to work our way into God's family, though we were hostile to him and enemies, though we are worthless servants on our own, God changes all that. He changes all of those problems. He fixes it all. He makes us to be blood relatives by giving us the blood we need his own. Christ Jesus shed his blood for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven. By his death, our payment has been made. By his resurrection, we see that the Father has accepted the payment price. And we have the assurance that we too will live with him. The blood of Jesus is the most precious gift that's ever been given. More valuable than 10,000 bags of gold and our God gives it freely and generously to us. And it changes everything. Now the gifts really start coming. He gives us the gift of holy baptism, a washing bath where we are forgiven and made heirs of everlasting life. He puts faith in our hearts so that we can see him for who he is, the giver of every good and perfect gift. He gives us eyes to see and hearts to cherish him and sanctified minds to understand, to know, and to respond to the truth that our God is good and gracious and generous. On our own, we can never be faithful enough to earn God's well done. But in Christ, that's exactly what we hear. With him living in our hearts, with him working every good deed through us, Now when God sees us, he sees the perfection of Jesus. Now we can hear God's well done, good and faithful servant. And then the words come even better and sweeter. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. 
Ours is a God who can call five bags of gold a few things. Ours is a God who can call every blessing that he's ever given to you, blessings that are far too numerous for us to count, blessings about which we're unaware. He calls those little things. He calls the mountain of blessing, the mountain of gifts that he heaps into our lives. He calls those things child's play. And then he gives us a seat at the grown-up table. I will put you in charge of many things. There is so much in store for the people of God. Gifts that God gives to make our lives better. Gifts that God gives to make the lives of those around us better. He's entrusted us with so much. And then he guides and empowers us to be the servants that God intends for us to be. He empowers us to be the faithful servants, worthy of his praise and honor. And then comes the best gift of all. Come and share your master's happiness. That we would have a relationship with God at all is mind-blowing. That God would invite us into his presence even for a moment. It's remarkable. But God invites us into his presence forever. Come and share your master's happiness. Come enjoy the best gifts that I have to offer. Holiness through and through. Perfection of body and of soul. Every good and perfect gift. Come and enjoy perfect harmony with me. Come and enjoy bliss that knows no end. Come and share in your master's happiness. Our God gives us the relationship that he intended for us and for every person since the Garden of Eden. In heaven, we come to realize the extent of God's love and we become the recipients of what God has secured for us since the day he wrote your name into his book of life. He stands lovingly by as we are reunited with loved ones who have gone before us. He lifts our chins from the floor as we first behold the angel choir. He shows us the spot at the heavenly banquet table, a place set for a feast with our name near the plate. He walks us to the room that's been secured and prepared for us in heavenly glory. There we're given everlasting joy in a place that knows nothing else. There is no gift that could be given that our God is withholding from us. He gives us everything. Come and share in my master's happiness. We are living in the end times. That means that for the rest of our lives, we will be living in the time between now and eternity. And so what shall we do while we wait? What shall we do while we wait for the master to return? What kind of servant does God desire? He desires a faithful servant. On our own, we fall miserably short. But with Christ in our lives, with him working through us, we are the servants that God desires. He entrusts to us 
many gifts, not so that he can have more, but so that we can have more. He gives gifts so that we can use those gifts to serve those around us. So go about your joy-filled service. Put your gift to work in the kingdom and rejoice that the master is the one who's giving knows no end. And then when the master returns, he'll give once more a warm embrace and a loving acclamation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.